Life Baptist preaching, where we grow disciples, we grow relationships, and we grow in Jesus Christ. This series is entitled, On the Christian Life. Studying the book of 1 John, we are taught what should and should not be included in the Christian life. We hope that you join us here each Lord's Day, and you can subscribe so that you don't miss a single Sunday. As we can continue our study in 1 John, we might reflect on the way that he has talked about light and darkness. He's talked about love of God and love of the world. And um, he's really delved into some difficult and convicting matters. And this morning, he continues in his caution against antichrists. And so that is the topic of our study this morning. And so we will begin in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, and I'll be reading through verse 23. And so if you have turned there in your copy of God's Word, I invite you to stand as we honor the reading of the Holy Scriptures. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I've not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. God, we come to you this morning. Lord, you are our Father. And yet we cannot come to you apart from your Son. Our worship is not holy apart from your Spirit. Lord, we come to worship you for all that you are and all that you have done. Lord, we seek wisdom where we lack it. Lord, that we might be made holy in your sight, that we might equip and guard our families well against these antichrists about which John speaks. Lord, we pray that you go with us in this study, that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, we pray that we would be a people having both the Father and the Son, this unction from the Holy One. 
And Lord, we ask this in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you have a bulletin, I'll be following that outline. As we just walk through this text, John has been diligent in drawing us along the faithfulness, obedience, holiness, love for one another. He's guarded us against the world. And then he addresses us again, or the church, in this epistle to be distributed throughout the land. He addresses us again, little children. It really is only fitting, and perhaps as we celebrate together the Lord on Father's Day, maybe we should, as fathers, be looking at this as a really wonderful pattern in how we ought to shepherd our families and our own children. Uh, indeed, this Word of God does that for us as God's children. But who John is talking to, as we've said before, is more than just little children. It's more than just the youngest of the ranks of the church. He's writing to everyone who professes to be a Christian. They're little children, students in the faith. So as he comes into this... Uh, As he comes into this argument in being aware of antichrists, he does so with an exclamation, it is the last time. If we want to discern an antichrist, we must realize we are in the last time. And the word literally says here, the, the last or the final hour. So we might even think of the way that the prophets of old spoke of this coming of the Messiah in this day of the Lord. And yet in their prophecy, we see the signs of both His first coming and His second coming, but all of that is spoken of as that day of the Lord. So now, we as the church live in a time that is the day of the Lord, and now we're hearing from John that we live in the last hour. And so we're in that era. And we need to understand that, and that needs to be the pattern of our thinking as the church as it is for John and understanding the urgency for which we might fill the Great Commission. It's important and there's a sense of urgency in going into all of the world making disciples of the nations. We're in the last hour. To me it seems foolish to some of those who think, uh, well, what, what if we're just early on in this um, narrative? 
What if we have 2,000 years more and we need to think in those terms to set something up? Listen, no one in Scripture thinks or speaks that way. This is John who writes this. The beloved, a direct follower of Jesus Christ. And he tells his audience and his parishioners, we're in the last Hour. This is it. We're in the final times. All that has been promised has been fulfilled. We're not waiting on anything else. There's nothing else to be done. We're here. Apart from awaiting His return, we're in this final hour. There is a sense of urgency. And so whenever He mentions antichrists, he does so as a proof that we're in the last hour. It's the last time you've heard in the last time there's going to come antichrists and you've seen some antichrists, so you know it must be the last time. And so friends, there ought to be no doubt that we are awaiting his return. We ought to take to heart the passages that remind us to keep our oil lamps filled and lit. To not be like the sluggard who is asleep when the thief comes in the night. For the Lord Himself will return as a thief in the night. So we must have this sense of urgency We must be ready. We stand here and worship together in the final hour of God's plan of redemption. Knowing we're in the last time, now we must come to recognize all that is opposed to Christ. Now sometimes whenever we come into a discussion like this, we read Antichrist. And I'm not sure what comes to mind for you, but a lot of times the way it seems to me is people think of this as a title. This is an office or a title or something of some supreme or really powerful person, an individual. And yet in John's conversation, this doesn't seem to be a title We don't see any definitive thing, but what we see is a very basic use of language where we see that he's using anti and then Christ. The same word that we speak of Christ, Christos, and yet it's anti, it's opposed to. You've heard in the last time there will be this opposition. And while there may be certainly a one as we would read John's later revelation, there would be one where this will be manifest, but he says, indeed, you see these already. Even now, there are many antichrists. And so when we read this term and whenever we put ourselves on guard, let's not put before our mind's eye or let our imagination run wild with some boogeyman that we're on the watch for. As Christians and as the church who are called to keep ourselves holy, not love the world and do all of this that John is commanding us, living in light of Christ, we need to be aware of all that is opposed to Christ. 
all that is opposed to Christ. And so as we'll talk more, and it seems John leads us in his teaching in building up our understanding of all that Christ is and all that God has done through Him, that includes everything. Everyone who acts in a way contrary to God's law, to God's revelation, to God's creation, to God's Word, to God's command through Christ, through who rebels maybe still or does not accept this Savior sent from God. Any way in which we see an ideal or a philosophy opposed to Christ, that is anti-Christ. Anyone who so despises this work of Christ who seeks to work out their salvation on account of their own merit or by repeated sacraments is anti-Christ. Anyone who pretends uh, to have Christ but hate the purity to which He calls us to is anti-Christ. There are all of these things and John will continue to speak along this vein of thought in the coming verses. But that's what we need to hold in view because friends, we have a lot that is opposed to Christ in our day. And yet I don't have any one man that I can point you to and say this is the boogeyman we're watching out for. And yet I can look everywhere and see that which is opposed to Christ in this warfare against His church. But now look at the direction John goes with this conversation. You see all these antichrists and you know it's the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt continue with us. Now, some of us might have heard this passage before. Haven't we? They've gone out from among us. They wouldn't have... Or they would have stayed with us. Uh, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Most of the time that we hear this passage used, it's in the event of, of the churchgoer who stops going to church. who Maybe seems to walk away from the faith. Um, we don't use that of people who go to another church, relocate, or join another body of believers. But we do hear this of, of those who seem to be Christian who leave. And, and they walk away, and yet, I want to challenge you to look at this passage a little closer. John says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Now that's an impersonal pronoun. When we, when we do that in our speech, and you all do this automatically, you don't realize it, but you're talking about someone you've already mentioned. So we have to decide who is they point to. 
Who is John talking about whenever he says they went out from us? Well, we've just read who he's talking about. Antichrists. Antichrists. Do you see that? Indeed, you've seen many of these antichrists. This is how you know it's the last time. They went out from us. So friends, whenever we come to this passage, we're not merely saying that one who departs from the faith, as it seems to our outward perception of the matter, when that person goes out from the fellowship, whenever they depart from God's Word and, and God's people and, 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 God's, and the preaching of God's Word and all of these things that God works to bring together, when they, when they depart from this, when they go out, well, John has placed them in a category. And what it does not look like is that they're neutral. That they're merely lukewarm. But his term for that is an anti-Christ. They are opposed to Christ. Now that already is beginning to help us define what is an anti-Christ. And we ask ourselves, if one does so despise the people that were not a people, but that God made a people in Christ Jesus, if they despise this gathering of the saints, they're opposed to what Christ Himself loved. And what he died for. If they do not wish to come in under the regular preaching of God's word. They don't long for that at all. There's no taste for that. They don't even desire the study or reading even in their own time. They're anti. They're anti what Christ is. When there's no encouragement from those gifts and ordinances that the Lord has given us in the Lord's Supper and baptism when we're given the opportunity to perceive it, that's opposed to what Christ has called His church to celebrate. And so in John's teaching, he says this is being made manifest. These are not lukewarm or neutral or just immature Christians they're opposed to what Christ stands for, for all that He is. He doesn't say merely that they're in danger. He tells us that those separated from the fellowship are dangerous. They're dangerous. What else? What else is this person who has departed from among the Christian gathering of the saints? Now, I don't mean a person who has transferred fellowship. I don't mean a person who has held at home for their sickness. I mean a person who seems to have departed from the faith, who seems to be in high-handed rebellion and have rejected these effects of our salvation. What is this person teaching their children in regard to the gathering of the saints? What is this person teaching their children in the value of God's Word in their home? This morning we're celebrating fathers, and yet how many fathers are doing this? And so we've got to be on guard in what John tells us is, listen, this isn't a 
an arbitrary matter for us. It is dangerous. This person who works against what Christ has brought to bear in the lives of his beloved To despise this is dangerous. And it's dangerous to all those around them. This is why we're commanded not to be okay, not to continue in fellowship, no. But we go to the brother gently in love. And when they refuse to repent, we take a brother with them and then we call them gently and boldly to reconciliation. That's our ministry. Not to cast them down and destroy them, but to call them to reconciliation for they are in danger and they're a danger to everyone that they lie to about this faith that we practice. So John doesn't leave us in a spirit of fear, but he tells us what what way in which the church has been equipped. He tells us, but ye have an unction from the Holy One. Ye know all things. Unction is such an interesting word. And immediately my mind tracks to the word that Martin Lloyd-Jones used of the preaching, saying that the preaching of God's Word, there's an unction of the Spirit. There's an interaction where the Spirit Himself is in our midst and He's working through this Word and there's a bit of a spiritual communication that's going on in our midst right now. But as John uses it, it's the same Word that he uses in verse 27, but the anointing which you have received of Him abideth in you and ye need not that any man teach you. It's an anointing. This Word is the same Christmas that he's using in, in this picture of our being anointed, our being covered, our being sealed, our being set apart. We should maybe envision that priesthood that would be anointed with oils that would run down on the beard of Aaron and on the hem of his garment. You've had the Spirit of God come upon you. If you're a Christian, you have this anointing, this unction. And it provides for you a protection from this danger that's posed by these antichrists. And that's what he says. Because you have this unction of the Holy One, you know all things. So in being anointed with his, his spirit, we know all things. Now listen, sometimes there's a useless hermeneutic that says all means all. And it falls short in this instance as in many others because what John does not mean is that you, if you're a Christian, somehow or another have become omniscient the way God is omniscient. You don't know all things like that. I hope that hasn't broken anyone's heart here this morning. But you're not omniscient. You don't know it all. But in the way John is speaking, you do know all things in regard to what he's talking about. You know all things that are necessary in matters of life and holiness. In John's own gospel, he writes in 16, verse, I'll begin in verse 12. These are the words of Christ that he records. I have 
yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How about when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The Spirit of God has come. Christ has ascended and he, spent, he sent His Comforter and He sent the Helper. And with His help and with His anointing, we know all of these things. So there is no further revelation that we need. There's nothing in addition that we're waiting on to come to know this Paul writes to Timothy, all the scriptures God breathed. It's useful for all of this teaching, training, reproof, and correction in righteousness that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. There's nothing left. There's no reason for you to say, I'm just unable. I'm ill-supplied. God has not fallen short. He's equipped you. He's equipped you for that which He's called you unto. And even in this matter, even in this era where we have these that are opposed to Christ, we have this spirit. We know all things. There's no shadow of doubt within us because we know truth. The same passage in 27. You have no need that any man should teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you all things and is truth. And is no lie. How often does our conversations in evangelism revolve around truth? We have a culture that denies truth. Friends, that is anti-Christ. When the person says to you, what is truth? That's true for you. They're an anti-Christ. It's there. There's no need for quotations or nuance. When there's a clear teaching of Scripture and it's opposed, that is an anti-Christ. He says, you know these things and John reassures you he's not, he's not speaking out here to the ungodly. He's talking about the church who have this unction. He says, I, I've not written to you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. and That no lie is of the truth. You have the truth. When we come to this Word of God and we know it and we have searched it and we have learned these things, we are possessors of truth. Not only are we possessors of truth, we are dispensers of that truth. We know God as He really is. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 2. The things of the Spirit of God Let me go back here. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. These are those to whom John is speaking. You have the truth. It is not arrogant for the Christian to say, yes, I do know the way. I know the only way to God. It's through Jesus Christ. His truth 
is undeniable and it is clearly testified in his word. So you think you're the only, your way is the right way? Yeah, why? Yes, I do. I know it. Christian, you have the truth. Don't be tempted to the spirit of doubt that is anti-Christ. Stand on this word of truth. For it is true. And as he continues in guarding us against these antichrist, this is the question, who is a liar but he that denieth Jesus is the Christ? So what he's talking about here are liars. We see who John has addressed most specifically are not heathenistic, self-gratifying, self-proclaimed God-haters. They're there and they're anti-Christ. But he's most explicitly addressed those who have left the fellowship and have shown that they weren't of Christ, they weren't born of God, but that they were opposed to Christ and they're lying to you. John wants to guard you against liars in our day. Has anyone ever met a Christian or someone who calls themselves a Christian and you think, man, are they Christian? Or if they're Christian, am I Christian? Because this world is full of liars that John calls antichrists. Liars. Ones who have stepped away from who Christ is. Ones who redefine or ill-define what Christ has done and what God calls us to in His Word. Those who leave off of the truth in a particular area for the sake of comfort or selfish gain. Though they be true over here, they sell a counterfeit gospel. Because someone sells you a counterfeit watch, it doesn't not mean that it's not a watch they're selling you. Beware of those counterfeit gospels. The way you're going to be on guard on this is by knowing our triune God. John says, who's the liar? But he that denieth Jesus is the Christ. Here again, Christian, Christ is not a surname or a last name or anything else. Christ is a divine term of appointment. Christ, Christos, is the Greek of the Hebrew, Messiah, which is the anointed one. Christ is the one who would dispense this Spirit of God to the people. He's the fulfillment of everything that was promised. He's the one that was promised in the seed of Eve. He's the one that would come like Moses. He's the one that would come like Elijah. He's all of those prophecies. He is the one, the anointed one, the only one that all of these promises point to and are fulfilled in. Now that person that tells you, like Rick Warren did this past week, I've, or has in the past, that I've known followers of Jesus Christ in other religions, that man is an antichrist. 
He's a liar, according to John, not according to me. Jesus is the Christ. Think of that. Understanding the Messiah means you must understand the law of God. You must understand God's sovereignty in creation. You must understand the image of God that all man has. You must understand man's fall to sin under the federal headship of Adam, the first man. Your complete and utter depravity and how you need a Savior and how God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. Not that every person who hates and opposes Him is saved, but those who believe and are born again by faith. You've got to understand all that that means. Jesus is the Christ. John is not saying Jesus is the leader of a Christian religion. We've become so numb to some of these words. No, Christ. He's the one who's been spoken of of old. The one who's been prophesied about for thousands of years. He's here. He's the one. He's the one we've waited on. There is no one else. There's no one else. God will send no other prophet. He's it. We've got all the prophets. They pointed to Christ. Now we have the Christ. He's the Christ. So he says he is the Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Now he gets into something that's really rich here in our understanding in our knowing our triune God, He that denieth the Father and the Son. You deny them both. The one that denies them both. Who, whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. So we have to know and we have to worship all that God is. You don't get to worship part of God. You don't get to worship God in your own way. You don't get to worship the Father of the Old Testament. You don't get to say, I have the law and I behave well enough and I entrust God to do the rest. You don't get to say that. If you don't know the Son who has fulfilled this law, you will not stand before God in the law alone. You don't get to say that I have the grace that Christ has come. I have Christ. I have no need of the law. How do you even know He's the Christ? You don't even know what Christ means. You don't know what, anything about the one who's fulfilled the law, who lived according to the law perfectly, and who writes the law on your hearts so that you love the law and it becomes a desire for you. And now becomes what those old reformers would have said. It's a rule of life. Though in it we don't achieve our own righteousness. For that is the work of the Christ. So you don't get to worship a part of God. You don't get to say. No one anywhere on the face of the planet gets to say. Well they know something of God. It's the same God. Not according to John. 
The one does not have the Father unless they have the Son. They don't have the Son unless they have the Father. They don't don't have the sanction of the Spirit unless they have the Father and have the Son. This is a triune God we worship. And we worship all of Him and we have all of Him. When we come to Christ, all of the law and all of the love of the Father floods in. The one who doesn't understand this, it's blasphemy. They take up stones to stone Him. We have loads of legalists in our day. We have loads of antinomians who are without the law in our day and say they can live however they want to. Listen, John tells you they're liars. They are lying to you. You see this? It's obvious We're in the last time. We've got a world full of liars. I've been told, I can't even count how many occasions this month already that I don't even know what it means to be Christian. Every one of them are antichrist and they're a liar. How do I know? Because I have the spirit of truth. I have have all that this same spirit that's delivered to all of the saints that empowered this very word and caused it to be spoken out and to be recorded and written and preserved for our sakes. And I'm told they're liars. I have this entire testimony. I have brothers and sisters in the faith who build me up and encourage me and guard me from the temptations that I might have in doctrine. And well, in what we said today, in the purity of, of our heart, of our thought, and of our conduct. The church does this for us. So we know and we worship all that God is. And friends, your your safety against all of these, not just the ones we see about us that are opposed to Christ, but all of them. And, and, And perhaps if it is a man or a system or a government or whatever, all these might, these theologians and people might have proposed in that antichrist at the last, listen, you will be guarded against them all in knowing this Christ of this word from which we're reading. Knowing the living God and the Savior that He has sent and receiving the Spirit that He gives freely to those who believe, you are equipped against them all. That's how you know. You know what? You're not going to be any better equipped by studying the Antichrists. I've had people preach to me about the Antichrist. They say, yeah, that's not it. As they indulge in what is unbiblical. They've been lied to. And so we come face to face with our Savior. We look upon His loving face. We follow after it. And we seek obedience to the Savior God has sent. In this, we will know Antichrist much better. We will be conquerors. More than conquerors, Paul says. Let's pray.
Father, we have you to thank for all of this. Indeed, as we ponder the Christ by whom we're saved, Lord, we have you to thank that you have prophesied and decreed this from old. That this is the Savior that we have been blessed to partake of. Father, we have you to thank for the Son. Your only Son. Who you sent. Made to be sin and crushed. As you delivered your cup of wrath upon him. For our sakes. Yet he was risen. And continues to grant to us new life. Lord, if all of this is not enough. He's delivered the very spirit of God. The spirit of truth, the spirit of Christ, this holy spirit given to us. Lord, to help us, to encourage us, to enlighten us, to convict us, to sanctify us. Lord, how is it that we can become hemmed in by your grace as much or more than we were hemmed in by the sin that enslaved us once before? And yet, God, having all of this, you continued in working and delivering this word to us through your servant John that we might know all of those who would seek to deceive us. Father, we pray that we would be a people vigilant, watchful, for these who would despise the full work of the Christ. Lord, we pray that you would be a, that you would cause us to be a people who are in service of this kingdom, who would not be silent, but would speak as the Spirit gives utterance. Lord, that we would speak this word that's been delivered to us through the apostles. That we would go boldly and in love to this wicked generation, snatching some out of the fire. The way Jude writes. Lord, that as we equip ourselves in this full armor that you've given to us, that we remember our ministry as that of reconciliation. Knowing this word that we bring does not bring our adversaries to death, but it brings them to life. And so, Father, we ask that you go before us as you have already and thus far. And Lord, that you would work in the hearts of men. Lord, that you would work as we speak to these who are opposed to your gospel, as we would speak to those who call themselves Christian, as we would speak to some of our own families who have departed from the faith and have bought into the lie as we speak within local institutions and organizations who have so despised Your Word and have become a poison to our community, 
Lord, that you would grant us favor in your sight. That your word would be spoken. That saints would be encouraged. That dead would be raised to life. Lord, we do pray that we come to know these antichrists as they come before us. But Lord, even more, we pray that we would come to know you, the living God, as perfectly and fully expressed in the life, the work, the death, the resurrection, and the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. for listening to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow disciples, we grow relationships, and we grow in Jesus Christ. Please subscribe so you don't miss a single Sunday.